0: Hi, I'm Justin King, founder of LIG Sports Group, and this is Dingo Talk.
1: What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest is the founder of LIG Group, Justin King. Also, you guys might recognize him. He was pretty standout in in the Whitfield through the early 2000s. He's pretty good at Penn State and, and had a, a career in the NFL and now has done things outside of his football career. Justin, thank you for taking some time. I know we had this scheduled a, a couple weeks ago, and and Mother Nature just really does not like me down here in Morgantown, I will tell you.
0: <laughs> oh man, it's crazy down there. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So let me let me start by asking. You you went to Gateway. Um and that that was a machine there for for many years. It still kind of is.
0: Yeah, it under, wasn't when I got there though.
1: Under Terry Smith, it was not a uh, when you when you were there. It was not a machine to start. It became. To start.
0: It became a machine.
1: How to walk us through how that program really developed uh, with you guys, basically.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, the architect was Terry Smith. Um, and he had, you know, had a vision for the program, some guys that were coming up and obviously he was a coach. I came over from, uh, you know, Woodland Hills and, um, he had his philosophies through his whole playing career. And, you know, he coached around, obviously growing up, he was a track coach, my track coach, he was a basketball coach. So he had some familiarity with the the different kids in the area Mm -hmm. and, uh, also understood what a football program was supposed to look like like all the way through, not just from on the field, but all the way up to administration, having buy-in there, the politics behind capital projects, what was needed, you know, very innovative in approach, getting people excited, whether it was from just the way we marketed and branded the team, mm-hmm. like changing the colors from black and yellow to black like black and Vegas gold, being one of the first teams to be sponsored by Nike, um, you know, just a whole bunch of different things. Had the Oregon type of feel going on with three jerseys and things like that back in the day. So like along with everything, so it was just, really building out a whole athletic department was uh pretty interesting. So the football was just a benefactor of it.
1: Well, and, and now that program, when you're, I I can go back to 2007, 2008, 2009 and 2010 um, being in the visitor's locker room, you're, you're sitting there looking at a visitor's locker room going, wait, wait, we're at a high school. That's like, for me at Plum, we 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 got in a bus. It was a, it was longer to get in the bus than it would have been to drive from the parking lot of the high school to to Monroeville. Like, and we get in this locker room and it's whoa, this is a. Whereas ours was not like that, um, so <laughs> <laughs> senior year, let's let's talk about the recruitment process because you coming out were basically the number one corner in the country. Right. Yeah. So. You end up at Penn State. What was the deciding factor and how does Penn State come into the mix?
0: Um, The deciding factor for me, I mean, they were consistent, right? Throughout the whole recruiting process, they offered me going into my ninth grade season. But I mean, I I, I committed to University of Florida first. So um, I was committed there early in the season and was when Ron Zulke and Mike Loxley was recruiting me from down there and I mm-hmm. you know, did a good job. But, you know, it was my first experience of the recruiting process and how it's like big time business, whether, you know, I was a pretty big recruit, you know, top 20 guy. So when I went on visits, I met with the head coach, but I also, or I was meeting with like athletic directors and presidents about, you talk about the whole infrastructure, because that was a part of the evaluation process going through. It was like, all right, what type of full cool ecosystem are we going into? So, uh, you know, it was like my first where I was, dealing with the administrator and say, Oh, he's gonna be here. Coach, you know, he's gonna be here for the next three years. Don't worry about it. And, All right, I feel comfortable. It's the athletic director. And then kiss fired on Tuesday. So I'm like, whoa, this is real life business. So then I had to like scale back and say, okay, who's been telling me the truth this whole entire time and been consistent and different opportunities to give me what I want on the field, off the field. Understood that they had talent. Embedded at Penn State already. You know, mm-hmm. I was from Pittsburgh, so I saw Paul Paz go up there, I saw AQ Shipley go up there, I saw Morelli. Like I guess you know, guys were <laughs> going up there. So I'm like, well, can kind of add to that spark, and you know, started dealing with Derek Williams. And I was like, all right, this is we can make this work.
1: So Derek Williams is who recruited you to come to Penn State?
0: No. It was a uh, no. Nah, I I committed first.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so Derek who went, like at a camp. When you when you're saying they recruited you and they were consistent, who all Penn did State?
0: You, Penn I was State Penn State in general. Penn State yeah. was consistent. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, so you get on you get on to campus. Now you're talking coming from a high school program that you were part of that really went ground up. This is how a program's supposed to be. Right. You get to Penn State. What is what's a mainstream division one football program like that? Day one. What is your First day on campus, practice, what is it like?
0: I mean, I had a unique first day uh, as a college student because I was at the All-American game because I went to school in January. Mm-hmm. So um, I was leaving San Antonio in January, lost my luggage. So I got to State College without a coat in the middle of a snowstorm in January. Didn't know where I was going like a week late a Week late uh, after classes started. So I had to figure out, you know, the next day with a book bag and pick up my books. So it was a pretty hectic first day after having like a 6 a.m. lift just to get acquainted. So, um, yeah, no orientation. I was kind of just thrown into the fire or into a snowstorm. Yes. (laughs) So like that was the first day.
1: (laughs) And you went to school for, and I want to make sure I get this right, letters, arts and science, correct?
0: Yeah, it turned out to be a sports administration degree. Yes. Yeah.
1: So. Was that always, that was from the beginning, that's what you were going to school for?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I was a coach's kid, an athletic director's kid, so that's what I did in my off time in high school anyway, it was rather it was like collecting tickets and doing the bus schedules and things of that nature and having the internship. And it's just like anybody's kid, if, if there's like a kid that works in a restaurant, they'd know the restaurant business. Like, I'm, I know the sports business.
1: <laughs> so that, and that was yours from, from day one. Um, I started so
0: finished- off, yeah, I mean, I started off, as a ball boy at Duquesne university at eight years old. So like, that's when I started first, like, that's how I started getting money. That was my allowance as a kid. I got paid as a ball boy. So my whole entry intro into football was from that side.
1: And is with, with that being your intro to football on that side, was that also why you, you chose football as, as the path as a, cause absolutely. you were a track athlete as well.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, I always said, well, I was a track athlete because I, as a benefit to football. Right, okay. like football was always the number one thing. Track was just another means of identifying what was uh, the critical factors of getting a scholarship and what they're judging. It was like, okay, you need speed to be good at this sport. Make sure your speed's right. So it was more that with track.
1: Now, can I touch base? I want to touch base on this later on, um, but now there's an there's nil deals, right? Sure. That it, was that? Is it appropriate to say that that was already happening in college football when you were going through recruitment?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Like, NIL did, like, name it, like, it wasn't really about your name, image, and likeness, so which you're probably referring to as pay for play, like the people yeah. offer our money. I mean, sure, but like, there were people that pay for memorabilia and things at Penn State, like, all the time. And that, I mean, that's just across the country, but that's a part of your name, image, and likeness. It happened, it wasn't legal, um, but. Yeah, people made offers and stuff in high school. Like you've seen like at the All-American game, you see. And like, nice package dropped off.
1: Now, do you think that that um does that help? Does that help the game now that it's not a question mark anymore? It it as long as you're getting your for your name, image, and likeness, as long as it's taken care of, is that making things easier for schools? Is it harder for schools? Is it harder for the athletes?
0: um it's just another dynamic in the i guess the sports ecosystem i don't think it's harder or not i think it's it's kind of past due right like from a standpoint of it's taking the work away from the schools that they have to figure out actual payroll or not being uh protected under whatever tax laws that they have or they're not employees and things of that nature so there's a lot of different factors in it Mm -hmm. but i think that it would be a lot easier to just pay them to be completely honest because the free market value for a lot of athletes isn't Crazy, but it does present a cool opportunity for guys to get firsthand business experience and things of that nature. So overall, I think it is good for the ecosystem. It's just, there has to be, you know, certain pillars put in place to make sure that the risks are minimized. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it that a lot of people aren't, they're not looking at it from the the side of one, these kids are now going to get business oppor- like learning hands-on business opportunities because they're the business, right? They're their they're, they're product.
0: And it almost becomes like a course correction, right? Where you understand that you're a part of something bigger or you can actually mess up and you start to get that in your head at 13 or 14 and not just, oh, I'm looking for offers or I'm going to this school to t- do a photo shoot. It's like, okay, I have to protect this. That means I can't move like this. That means I can't mm-hmm. operate like this because it might mess up my money here. Like having that ingrained at an earlier age, this is is i think incredible and a nice benefit
1: so you you finished your degree in two and a half years you were a big 10 all americ academic all american um why what made it i don't want to say easy but what got you through in two and a half years uh to finish out a major
0: um i was there a lot i was at penn state a lot all (laughs) right i started (laughs) Uh, I started, no, but I did like, I came early. So I started there. And then like, again, we talk about having the whole infrastructure from a high school standpoint. Like my goal was to graduate earlier and all those things. So shout out to our AD who's now the superintendent at Gateway now, Mr. Short there. it they just kind of really helped me take uh, college level courses that actually transitioned to Penn state when I was there. So some of my science credits from high school were already accelerated mm-hmm. being there in the summer coming early all that stuff starts to add up i took kind of a a normal course load during the season and uh yeah before i knew it it was over
1: (laughs) well so let's talk about the the difference between um high school practices and college practices because there's i know that when we were when, when i was in high school it was you know you hit monday tuesday wednesday Thursday might be a walkthrough, but you might be in uppers, and then Friday you're on the field. What was the biggest difference for you? What, was there a difference, or was it just pick up the get to the speed of the rest of the game, the college game, and just go to work?
0: I was probably it wasn't much different um, from my high school to college back then, right? Like I think it's more is probably different from my post football career and going back in watching practice or being on the other end from the personnel um, administration side, whereas, you know, worrying about those, the analytics of practice or how long they're going and the care hours and uh, just the, how you're, how much you're beating the team up with the sports science and all those different things. Um, So when I played though, it was, it was physical in high school and physical at Penn State. <laughs> we practiced fast at Penn State though. That's one thing I did say, like those practices were, those are pretty hard practices.
1: Hard and fast is what you're saying. So there was a Hard lot of physicality fast. and a lot of a lot of speed, tempo, tempo, tempo.
0: tempo yeah, we'll get off the field in about like Joe would say, like eighty six minutes or you know sixty two minutes. Yeah, it would be it would be pretty fast, but we're 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 moving.
1: So in two thousand and eight, you decide to forego your call your your last year of college el- eligibility to enter the draft. You get drafted in the fourth round. What is draft prep like?
0: Uh, it's like, <laughs> um, That's a good question. Draft prep. Draft prep is really unique when to think about it, right? Because you're. It's almost. It's almost like summer camp with other NFL players. Yeah. That's like. That's kind of just like you know. You go to. We went to Arizona. Some mm-hmm. guys go to Orlando, and it's the same schedule. You get your your meals made. Um, go to nice restaurants and you work out every day all day, and you're just all waiting for the same interview, you know at the end of the day. So it's yeah, that's all I compare it to. It was like a an, a, an ex, a exotic summer camp <laughs> <laughs> so when you're and that that could get you in trouble it's it's hurt a lot of guys with draft stock as you go there and it's like, oh, you might do it. You go to it go to Miami. And it's like, I'm not used to this. Right. <laughs> you get off track of what it is. Different so yeah, type of la-
1: nightlife can draw some yeah, people in. Yeah.
0: You know, it's gotta be laser focused when you're making that thing. So it's like, it's a, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool three month time period.
1: And we will get back to my, it's interesting. You bring up Miami. We'll get back to that. Cause I, I believe there's a, you have an experience at the U as well with your masters. But yeah. so when you, uh, when, when draft, when, when we get to the draft day, or because this would have been day two, right? Fourth round.
0: First, this was the first year. This was the first year it was split up, so it was day three, actually.
1: Okay, so day three, when you did you know you were going? Did you expect thought, to actually, go earlier? I, I,
0: yeah, I actually, thought I was going to go earlier. Okay, I, thought I was going to go uh, late first, early second, just based and, on based on feedback, based on you know information I was receiving. But you
1: know, so when you get the call from the Rams. What is the, I mean, obviously this is the lifetime goal, right? Get to the NFL.
0: Right. That's, that's the so funny that you say that because it's like, at the time and get the call, you're, I'm, I'm pissed off. Right. Like I probably, I just wanted moments. I regretted my career where, you know, you look back and you don't, and I, I never took a picture of my name going across. I didn't really celebrate or anything like that. I had some people over, but I was, I was probably not the best to be around because I was obsessed. So like when I talk to guys now, it's like, always enjoy the moment of football mm-hmm. because you work to that moment. And for me, I was always focused on that moment, and now working back in football, I I missed that moment, right? Like whether you get your what people drafted or you, like a Jaquan Brisker, you're seeing him from like JUCO and recruiting him and seeing him play for the Bears now, like he's like in his moment. But like I missed that moment of getting drafted, so I was actually pissed off. So it it is actually a regrettable moment because you know it was it was it was an accomplishment to be excited about and be in the moment for so. Yeah, that's how my draft day was.
1: One and the it's interesting you say that because I feel like that that's that part of that competitive drive that that obviously we know the statistics one percent of the high school athletes will go to Division one one percent of that one percent go on to the NFL but that competitive drive in you it wasn't that you were upset that, I feel like you weren't upset you got drafted it was well why why am I now why why did I fall this far as opposed exactly. to like let me get on the field and I'm going to show everybody.
0: Yeah, that that was definitely that was definitely it, right? Like not having used to having a had a chip on my shoulder. I mean, after you start sliding and things of that nature, but it's you know it's you I know mean, you're embarrassed a little bit because like I left school early, right? Yeah. And so it was a little different for other guys where you put it in perspective. It's like oh, it wasn't because you know I, first thing I do when I get to the building, personnel talks to me it's like you to stay, you have, have won first round, you to stay with first round. I'm like, oh. <laughs> bleep you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. I don't, want to hear that. <laughs> so I don't need that right now. Thanks. <laughs> but you know, that's the type of stuff that happens and you know, you live and you learn, but it's a, it's a good opportunity for just guys athletes in general, just people just enjoy the moments.
1: Well, and so your, your first year you end up and you end up tearing a ligament in your big toe that, that sidelines you for that rookie season. Um, and I, with these two kind of the, where you fell in the draft and then the right after having the injury, I, I kind of want to ask you about the the mental health side, like where were you mentally? Where were you? Because it's you know there's a couple roadblocks here now as you're right. getting into the career side of this.
0: No, exactly right. This is another part where you're like you're just having the, the 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 thoughts that you had on draft. They're like, well, what am I doing? Am I second guessing what I did? I was pretty sure on why I left and why whatever like that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know when you hurt your toe like as a speed guy in a corner if you ever think about just the biomechanics of stepping into the ground planning accelerating and all that that's that's all your big toe that's like, yeah. that's like a, a boxer not having a thump I don't know if that does. yeah <laughs> like boxer not having a hand basically or a hand per se right that's even more uh extreme but yeah so it was definitely it was this, it was more maintaining of a time period right like you're mm-hmm. on your own uh going through the rehab process so it was like i, I think I had great vets like Corey Chavis where it kept me engaged where I really got into the personnel side of things. Cause one mm. of my rookie duties was to give scouting reports to the defense every Friday. So with him, I would break down like upcoming opponents, really learn scouting language, how to present, uh, you know, NFL players as a, as a rookie and things like that. And I still had rookie duties like getting breakfast and stuff like that. So, you know, it was, it was cool, but mental, like the mental aspect of it, was definitely like a maintaining type thing. It was, it was, it was rough.
1: So you're, you're, if I'm right, you're, you're with the Rams for three seasons, four, four seasons, and then you make your way to Indianapolis. Yes. Now, what was that transition like? Because you're going from a from St. Louis that at the time they were. They were in kind of in between as an organization and Indianapolis yeah. is kind of on that rise.
0: Right, right, right. We were, uh, Stan Kroenke was buying the team at, um, the Rams and we had just drafted Andrew Luck at the Colts. So, uh, it was interesting cause I was coming off of shoulder surgery, leaving the Rams. So I was going into free agency mm-hmm. injured. So like when free agency opened, I wasn't clear to do anything or practice and. You know, I had a solid year to year before, but bad team in the NFL, hurt corner, not the hottest on the free, free market, uh, in the waiver, free market anyway. So when I finally healed up, as soon as I got cleared, I got signed by the Colts, went there, um, from, you know, when you're not running and things of that nature throughout the off season, the condition is different. So I had a, a calf strain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in there, but ended up wanting a, a starting spot going into the season. And uh, you know injuries kind of ensued, but yeah, that was kind of the transition from St. Louis to the Colts. But it was it was it was a great opportunity.
1: And again, now now you're into your second organization, so I, I want to bring back the mental health side of it um the injuries again are piling up is it again just maintain continue like you're on the right path or are you really starting no no, doing- no
0: it's like it is it, it, it's, it's draining right you're living your you're living your life and your goal and you the way you got there was like all right i gotta get better i gotta get better i gotta get better then at one point it shifts to like nervous if you're healthy or not so you're like mm-hmm. all right i gotta stay healthy i gotta stay healthy i gotta stay healthy and so like that becomes a the foremost thought but it's a very hyper competitive area right so like yeah like Things hurting at a corner like my calf hurts or at a corner just dealing with injuries is getting over a lot of the mental things but um, yeah I mean mental health is I guess it's a part of high end sports professional sports looking back on it I mean I can I mean it it obviously was probably it was probably like real but yeah from it and you sharpen from it so like that's kind of how I take it now
1: so then from the Colts you end up coming home come to Pittsburgh Yep. yep What was that transition like?
0: Uh, you know, it was interesting because you know I, I was familiar with the Stillers like organization and staff. Whether it was at the time Brandon High and different guys that worked over there, uh, growing up in Pittsburgh, right? And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, like going through the process, it it was cool. It was it was a, it was a real cool time, like being there for like that short period of time and but it was, it was, it was a great organization. It was really cool to see the different organization organizations operate. Like I always was interested in, okay, like what's the special sauce here? What's the special sauce there? Um, I always having a mentality wanting to be a GM, like going through the, you know, through my playing career, but.
1: I was going to say that goes back to that, you know, the, the building blocks that were laid at eight years old as the, as the ball boy, you, you were on the administrative side already wanting to see the, the ins and outs and, and how do we get to Miami in your master's? Is that after your playing career? Does that happen while it's after?
0: Yeah, that's after my playing career. After my playing career, I decided I wanted to, I uh, actually wanted to go back to, I wanted to go to school and I thought the one thing from going to different organizations that the different players was their their psyches and how their makeup was. So I was like, mm-hmm. man, if you can evaluate, I don't understand the valuation on the external. Like if I can understand the evaluation on the internal, like we're cooking with gas. So I started, actually a sports psychology sports psychology um masters and uh halfway uh, a little more over halfway through i started feeling like okay i'm doing this i'm i'm charting for the, the cleveland browns at the same time is that like are they going to understand like, like are you trying to see people Are you trying to be a shrink like what are you trying to do so like maybe i wasn't as confident in where it would fit in into my journey right now right so now i'm sitting there like maybe i should go back and get it but <laughs> like what, what, what i'm doing now but um but anyway, then I transitioned and went to Miami for the sports administration because I was in it, and it was like, all right, I'm gonna double down and get more experience on the business side of the sports.
1: When well, you you brought up that you're you're the you're a scout at the time for the Browns, right? Right. So how does well, I guess is that a normal thing for players? Well,
0: I, was a, I, I was like a uh, I was like a uh, I was an outside consultant, for, like the analytics and all that. Good, good okay. Stuff. And, uh, so I was, you know, I, mean, I work from home, it was long hours and different things of that nature. So it's just kind of relegate your, you know, delegate your time. And then and-
1: from the Browns, you end up as a territory manager for, and I want to make sure I get ATI physical therapy. Yep. You were there for yep, two yep, years, yep. two and a half yep. years,
0: two years. Actually it was, it, cause it got acquired after the first year, it was a startup called ideal physical therapy and it was okay. leaving, uh, leaving the Cleveland Browns when I told you I made the transition into, um, the sports uh, management administration uh, uh, program or mm-hmm. making that decision, I felt like I needed just different didactic experiences, right? I was always in sports, all that good stuff. So I was always evaluating and doing that, but I really wasn't doing much selling, negotiating, going back and forth, understanding, you know, like was some credits of different things that come with business, right? So I was like, yeah. I had to find a way to get some experience. So I thought that was an interesting way or a congruent way of my experience from football. Dealing with a lot of injuries, talking to doctors, talking to physical therapists. Hey, I can talk about physical therapy services with um, physicians and things of that and things of that nature, and you know, b- build some skills while I'm doing it. So, like, that's kind of what led me there. Found some things I was good at, and I was like, hey, I could take this back and even go further in football. So maybe I need to go back into sports. So that's how I slid back into Penn State.
1: Well, that's it. I was going to ask. So how did, how did you end up back up, find your way back up to state college? And again, it's in that recruiting area of, of talking to players and, and kind of give us what was your, your, your job when you you're the recruiting coordinator. So you're dealing with the entire, the entire board or are you, were you regional?
0: I was, I was specifically the whole side of the defense. Okay. That was specifically my thing, whole side of the defense until full things came up into full staffs, and then obviously it was the recruiting staff. But like I was specifically with the on the defensive side um, when I was there, and you know it was uh from sourcing the players, recruiting the players, making sure you're filling in all the pixels throughout the, re- the evaluation process, find them early in ninth grade, get everything that you need, breaking it down, making sure that all the eyes are checked on them, make sure that the that there isn't a, a kid that can hold a coach hostage, right? Maybe yeah. That if someone's good and they're like not picking up the phone, that somebody just is good behind you. So just making sure that those pipeline that the pipeline of talent was correct when I got there, it was to find the big fish, right? Michael Parsons and Garn Briskers and um, you know, OAs of the world and, mm-hmm. but, yeah. So that's kind of what we did.
1: So. I'm guessing that this, these three plus the, the master's degree and the three per like uh, professional experiences led you down the path to the manager of football ops and player personnel for the XFL. Yeah. <laughs> now was that, that's, is that pre COVID or is that? That's pre COVID.
0: That's pre COVID. Yeah.
1: So that says it's getting ready to to do the next launch and then COVID happens and there's kind of a peelback.
0: Six 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 games in. Okay. Yeah, yep. five games in. Yeah. COVID happened. Uh yeah, we started Yeah, we started football league <laughs> with, with Vince McMahon, all over luck, and Doug Wigley. So it was <laughs> a lot of experience with, with ESPN and Fox, right? And so So yeah, what talk- is
1: can I ask what what's that experience like? Because that seems like a lot of Chiefs it's, in it, the room.
0: No, was a, it was a dream job. You know, at the end of the day, you talk about starting a football league where you're not under an umbrella like the NFL or NCAA, where you're throwing stuff up against the board. When you got a creative mind like Oliver Lug, Doug Whaley, and you're trying to, whether disrupt some things, whether it's from the talent acquisition, finding college players like we did with Kenny Robinson. He only had two years at West Virginia when he left there. Mm -hmm. We we recruited, signed him, get that whole thing to trans, you know, trans. circumvent circumvent uh the, the scouting combine process and sitting out a whole year but actually getting film and getting better the other year you get guys like pj walker just everything that uh Heineke for uh the commanders everyone that was trying to just have another breeding ground for the football ecosystem but from a league office standpoint so just understanding really all the tentacles of business that actually feed off of the sports property that is a football league, right? Mm-hmm. Like and it was like
1: well, and and that's crazy to me that that they're that we've gone this long without these other, you know, the USFL was a thing for a little bit, the AAFL, the the XFL is now going to do a launch, but I think they're now involved with the NFL as a, like a feeder slash testing. We're going to sure. test out some rules and see how they work out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's interesting with the amount of college athletes that you have out there that there isn't other opportunities other than. Either going down, like I have a couple guys I went to school with at Division three level, they've gone to Germany, they've gone to Brazil, or they've gone to Canada. Those seem to be the kind of the options. And now you see these leagues that should succeed because I don't understand how ratings don't go well. We miss football well, in the
0: spring. Everyone understand. the ratings are one thing, but running a football league is extremely expensive. Yeah, like, extremely expensive and extremely hard. Like there's a lot of Moving parts, or you have to have certain things in place, and it's a unique skill set of people, like a unique group of people, to put on a product because you're not really just running a good football league, right? You have it's a sports and inter- it's entertainment and media. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, so you have to. And you know, I'm coming from the standpoint: our whole goal was to reimagine football. We're talking about changing the kickoff, like doing reiterations of the football, the punt rules. So we were we were challenging every known thing that people yeah knew about football and then try to recreate a product that was there. and that was the that was the attraction of it, right? Because starting a football league and just with no name players, yeah, it might be, but to get it operating with enough money that's still flowing. you I have think. to
1: get the people behind it. You have to get the town, the cities behind it. You, I mean, there has to be there's it's a lot easy. of
0: it's not easy. It's a, it's a it's something that's emerging in Europe heavy right now, and with the with the influence of the NFL, but like a lot of uh, grassroots things from just that I'm dealing with. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's well, going international, right?
1: And it's you know it's crazy that I remember as a kid there was NFL Europe, and and I I only remember them because of their jerseys. They had the ads on the jerseys, and they pretty
0: were sweet. A pretty sweet setup.
1: But it was, it was interesting. Like you, you saw guys that you would see two, like two years, three years earlier. Now they're, they're big time in, um, but so now we've, we, I think we've covered everything up until here we are in the last couple of L- years.
0: Yeah. LIG sports group. Most definitely. It's, uh, Let, uh, yeah.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. LIG sports group. It's a strategic talent acquisition firm like specializing at the intersection of sports and business so like throughout the whole sports ecosystem our specialty is the talent acquisition aspect right so in high school we talk about uh we develop curriculums for high schools for the sports different programs or not programs but sports paths right whether it's mm-hmm. team operations league operations and things of that nature so developing that with gateway University, you know, with gateway right now which is a, a pretty cool pretty cool thing we have the blue chip academy where we have executives and players come on and share their experiences going through the process and using sports as a catalyst to a career that they can bank on. So it's everyone getting into the game with the end goal, not being professional sports and uh, in, which it, it can be a part of the journey, but using it along the way to you can have a career that you can bank on, right? Like you see these coaches, uh the head coach at Liberty, 40 million bucks. Like there's others, there's a lot of you know monetization points within oh yeah. this, the the sports that you're spending time in. So that's what we do there in college. We have lockdown you. Which is a brand group that we create from the talent acquisition side, finding a scalable asset in form of via position group, the DBs, mm-hmm. or you know, what I mean, and then we brand that and put the uh, resources around that, and then executive searching at the top end. So it's a, a strategic um, talent acquisition acquisition firm because that's what we do when you talk about recruiting, just all the way through in the different forms from high school levels all the way up to the executive suites.
1: And this seems like a culmination of everything. I I, I want to go back again to that that eight-year-old guy that, that's getting his allowance as a as a ball boy. Now he's into the front line of the administration of like you want you wanted your hands into into it all, not just the, the one side. Um why start the group? Why start the company?
0: The need. After you see all the different points or the gaps from the league level and and going all the way through, right? When you talk about coming up as a five-star recruit, Mm -hmm. 20th overall, like it was a unique time in just football in general. That's the the birth of rivals. It's the second, third year of the All-American game. All these things are just happening. So like, I'm like the product. I understood where I fit, where I fit in the whole ecosystem going through. So like, I'm the product. Okay, this is what this means. This is what a good program looks like. This is the whole infrastructure here and going all the way through in that XFL piece I mean, we know what the NFL is from a structural standpoint, but that N- XFL piece, seeing all the different nuances, things were happening. Obviously, NIL was coming up, coming up mm-hmm. uh, from the conversations and dealing with the coaching staffs. One of our things was hiring diverse um, head coaches, but when the head coaches came to the table, sometimes they didn't have their whole staff in order. Um, and you say like there's a lot of people within sports, I mean a head coach comes, there's about 60 other positions behind that. So helping staff those positions for the head coaches was something that was really cool connecting the dots. And that was another piece of the talent acquisition in sports that is kind of bottlenecked because it's such a, um, it's such a network based friendship Mm -hmm. group based industry, whether it's sports corporate America, whatever the case may be. So providing a service like the same way we do with recruits and things of that nature, but for staff members and head coaches and things that of that, where you're evaluating the off the field staff. So that's the talent acquisition services all the way up. So that's where everything really comes down to talent acquisition from the standpoint of the recruiting and what we do at LIG sports group.
1: Absolutely. And, and if somebody is interested in finding you, where can they find you?
0: You can find me at www.ligsports.com or on Twitter at, at the King one or L I or um, IG at uh, J King, L I G. Well, the YouTube. Oh, there's you. Is it, what's the YouTube? YouTube you, the YouTube is the blue chip Academy podcast.
1: So I will, we will have the, the link will be below Justin right below his face there. It'll, it'll be right there below there for at least <laughs> the website. I don't know if my editor can put all of that in there, but we will oh, cool. make sure the web, that yeah. you go. You check out the website, check him out on his socials, and get over to the Blue Chip Academy and check out on YouTube. While you're there, you can check us out every week. We're here at 10 o'clock. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and pretty much everywhere else you find podcasts. And then on social media, you can find us on IG, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. The only difference is instagram it's dingo underscore talk instead of just dingo talk if you type in regular dingo talk you'll find some wild dogs uh from australia it's the guy runs the account he's very nice he doesn't like that i have the same name as him but we get over it because i put an underscore and that's different um justin thank you for taking the time to sit down with me um no doubt appreciate it and like i said we'll see you next thursday at 10 a.m chuckleheads you know by now you want to know by now you want to know by now